So I'm going to be reading from the NLT version. You can follow in your own Bibles. Um, first one is Exodus 19, verses 3 to 6. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is my message you must give to the people of Israel. 1 Peter 2, 4-10 You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstones of God's temple. He is rejected by people, but he was chosen for God, chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor of God, honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are chosen people. You are holy priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. For once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. In Revelation 1, 4-6. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. For the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, actually three weeks ago, we had some feedback, some sharing from our leaders um, at, at New Life Church because we've been processing, we've been discussing this year, what is God speaking to us? Because we just really sensed that he was saying, stop, just come and stand and look, look and ask. Um, and that's obviously a, a scripture, Jeremiah 6.16. But we felt like God was highlighting that and arresting us as he's been arresting lots of people in this very unusual year, 2020, and many people are calling it a, you know, a big reset. Um, Christians and unbelievers alike, everybody knows something's shifted. And we felt God was saying, just stand Stand at the crossroads. This is a very significant transitional moment. And look and ask. So we've been speaking into that. And Wayne and I followed up a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we, we took our, our talk from this passage of which Samantha's just read a few verses. It's Exodus 19 verses 1 to 11. You might want to open up to that. Have your Bibles ready because there's going to be a few scriptures that we're going to highlight this morning. But in that passage of scripture, 
what we highlighted a couple of weeks ago was this first question, will you fully obey me? So the Israelites are at Mount Sinai. You know the scene. God's led them out of Egypt. He's displayed his magnificent love for them by the way he's taken them out and his power to the surrounding nations. Really, really important. And he's brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai and there's essentially a marriage ceremony about to take place. And God asks Moses to ask the people speaking on his behalf. He says, will you fully obey me? That's all. That's, that's the question. Will you fully obey me? And of course they say, yes, you wouldn't really want to say anything else. Would you, when you've seen this great God hmm. do awesome things, he's confirmed that he is God and there aren't any others. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there, there is a lot of trembling as you mm. can imagine going on because they've been asked to gather. So he says this, will you fully obey me? And then he says, I will set you apart as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You'll be my treasured possession if you say yes. And then he says to Moses, get the people ready, consecrate them because I'm going to come to you. That's essentially what's going on there. The next slide. Um, we, we discussed this. So what does wholehearted love look like? I had a lot to say about that, actually. Um, but the answer simply is joyful. I've added that in this week. Joyful, voluntary, because voluntary is joyful, right? Joyful, voluntary obedience. And we've been looking at First Peter. I encourage you to read First Peter, the whole letter. Did anyone do that? Oh, thankfully, there's a couple. Um, but... Here we go. This is the exhortation again this week. Read First Peter. It's only five chapters. Read it together as a family. Read one chapter each week. Night. Oh, sorry, each day, night. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yes, there's five. Yes, That's right. Yes. Five. And then yep. read it again. <laughs> so, uh, but Peter is, is wow, he's, he's saying he has a lot to say about holy living. Hmm. He's actually basing... His whole chapter, uh, in the context of that present day, and there is persecution they're experiencing, but he's drawing them back to Leviticus. He's drawing them back to the law of God. When he says in First Peter chapter 1, be holy as I am holy, they know that's what he's talking about. It's in Leviticus. That's when God first said that. So he's, he's saying to them, this is who you are. Live like that. Over and over again. That's yep. basically what he's saying. Remember First Peter one twenty two. What was that verse? If you've got it open, now that you have purified yourselves by what? How do we purify ourselves according to First Peter one verse twenty two? <laughs> Obeying the truth. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Now that you have purified yourselves, not by loving one another. That's not what he said. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Wow. And you think about a persecution context. Think about any context, actually. When I say to myself, I will obey him. There's something that happens. I will obey him. I will do that. I will get rid of. I will add this. Do you hear what I'm saying? I will. I will. I will. Do you know that there's a purifying process that happens? We are being washed with what? 
the word. We obey the word. It's really simple. It's not, you know, it's a reminder of that verse where, you know, God says it's not, it's not like far away. It's not hard to understand. It's not miles away. It's right near you. It's in you. It's in you. The word of God, the spirit of the living God. It's not, not hard. Just obey me. Obey me fully. Find out what pleases the Lord, Ephesians 5.10. Find out, young people, what pleases the Lord. I'm telling you because you're on the front end of your experience. Many in this room, we have found out, you know, at different times, the consequences of not pleasing the Lord. So find out what pleases the Lord. When you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. So that. Purified, obedience, so that. We want love in the church, right? Well, we have to want this as much as the fruit of that, which is love. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus simply said, the one who loves me, obeys me. Yeah, that's what he said. He reiterated it. The one who loves me, obeys me. Obedience, we choose it. And we choose it because he is God. And as we choose it and we are purified and we draw near to him with clean hands and a pure heart, we see God. The pure in heart will see God. You got it? Wow. So will you fully obey me? Next slide. We're going to focus on this today. I will set you apart as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So question um, the next question is, Wayne, kingdom of priests. So when you hear the word priest, what do you think of? Turn to the person next to you. When you hear the word priest, what do you think of? I heard someone say it's to do with what they wear. <laughs> the Pope. <laughs> right. Okay. What are some of your responses? When you, when you hear the word priest, what do you think of? Just shout it out. Leviticus and killing animals yeah who wants to be a priest in those days right wow it's so intense we have no idea we have no grid for that you know they went on shifts they had rostered shifts for that you know they took turns to do different things no wonder can you because you know you wouldn't want to be out in the courtyard at the bronze altar doing that day in and day out right that's tough work what do you think of, Wayne? I think of the think of normal people not wearing fancy clothes. But that's because that's what the Bible says. Right. So you mean like the people in this room? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I don't I I don't think professional although I don't think vocational necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um I think Ordinary. Okay. I think that's what God's talking about. So, and I think one of the things is that this this concept of you are a kingdom of priests who serve Him actually begins in Genesis one and goes all the way through. So, when when we get to First Peter and we hear this phrase and. Uh, that was the context, I think, when I, where I first became aware of this phrase, that this is part of our identity as followers of Jesus. 
to be a kingdom of priests who serve him, to be a holy nation, a royal nation. Uh, But it was only later on that I realised, actually, that's not an idea that Peter is introducing for the Christian church. It's actually from, it actually begins, how the Bible begins. Uh, And it really helps if you understand, and when you think about it, what does it mean to be a priest? If you think about it, it has two core components. It has an identity component and it has a functional component. And so when you begin the story of creation in Genesis 1... Uh, and two, you, what, there's a difference between the way that we are educated. We are educated typically in what we would call a, a Greco-Roman Roman worldview. Um, sounded like a Monty Python skit right there. <laughs> Some of you are familiar. <laughs> the Womans. <laughs> um, and so the greco one. <laughs> Greco-Roman worldview, yeah, teaches us to think form. What does something look like? The Hebraic worldview is function. What's its function? And so if you think about the story of creation, just put it this way, the first few days of creation, uh, functions are being established. What are they? Let there be. Right? Let there be plants, let there be all that. Right? So, and then. What does light look like? And God's going, no, it's function. Mm. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. The Greco Roman thing, we think, what does it look like? But God says, no, it's a function. So, when you understand that, so much of the Bible is written clearly from a Hebraic worldview perspective. So, really, we want to, we have to tr- retrain our own way of thinking when we're reading the Bible to go, what is the function? Because there's a function here. It's not so much about the form um, of what it looks like. And that's a really helpful thing. So, when we asked you, what do you think of when you think of a priest? M- probably many of you thought of the form what a priest in our culture and context looks like. You didn't think, what does a priest do? And apply that to yourself. How many say, yes, yes, that was me. The form, you thought of the form. Yes, thought of the form. Yeah. Did any of you think at all? Mm. Yeah? Oh, good. Okay. So one of the things, this is a really exciting thing for us. Because, so when we come to, when we come into Christ, what we are being restored to is what God originally intended, the function that God originally intended humans to be. And so one of the things that you can, if you go back to Genesis and you think about what's going on in there, when, when God looked at everything and said, it is very functional, that's a far, that actually captures the Hebrew term much better than good. God looked at everything he made and it was highly functional. Functional. And then in Genesis 3, the humans malfunctioned and introduced dysfunction. And now the world that we have come into is a dysfunctional world. In other words, the world is not functioning as it was originally created, nor are human beings functioning in the way that we were designed to function. When we come into Christ, that process of learning how to, who we are, our identity, and how to function. What does it mean 
to be a human being who's an image bearer. That's the language of Genesis 1. Uh, and we don't have time to unpack the, the temple imagery in Genesis 1 and 2. But just to say, so when we come to Christ and we are called a, a royal a nation and a holy priesthood, a kingdom of priests, it's about this function. It's about people understanding. This is who I am and my function is this. In the Garden of Eden, an image bearer, and we've, many of you heard me say this before, if you, we summarize it as I am meant to uh, be in communion with God and then care for the world and for, obey him, in, in a way that reveals his character and how I'm doing things. Mm. So there's a lot. That's really good. So, so Wayne, what you're saying is when um, God created, he was thinking function. Yes. And, and when he created Adam and then Eve and, and then humanity, they're image bearers, so they have... Some function. They have a function in the garden. In the garden Mm. that is actually like God. Yes. Because we're image bearers. Yep. But the way that operates, so our identity as priests, our function operates through intimacy with God. Yeah. Once you you disconnect that, you lose this. So Adam, what did he do? Man, he he communed with God. Didn't he walk and talk with God in the garden? And then God delegated him authority. This is your function, Adam. I'm giving you... You the authority. Yeah, I'm giving Mm. you dominion. And he gets to name the animals, for one. Mm. God doesn't go, "Uh, Adam, don't like that name. No, God says, you name them. Mm. You stay in fellowship with me. And I will delegate authority through you. Wow. This is our identity before God and our function in terms of how he created us to be. Is that a new thought for some of you? It's an astounding thought because you know what comes next, right? How are you going in that function? How are you going in it? If this is who God has made us to be, image bearers, intimately fellowshipping with him and from that place and through us he delegates his authority right through us delegates his authority to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven how are you going with that do you know God in that way because that's what he created you for That's what he created you for. And no matter where you're at, no matter what clothes you're wearing here today, that's your identity and that's the function that he crowned you with. When he knit you together in his mother's womb, there was a function. It was something he gave to each of us and he said, it is functional. Functional. So, it is good. Hmm. It is good. And so this is how we're to live in our homes. And so I want to encourage uh, uh, people who are here today, if you're the head of your household, uh, married couples or singles, uh, to 
that it's you are the priest in your house. That's your identity and that's your function. It's to be in communion with God and bring the will of God into your house, into your family context. And husbands and wives are meant to work together to do that uh, effectively. Um, uh, we're, and that's why it's so important to be equally yoked. And the scriptures talk about you know, marrying someone that you're equally yoked to who actually shares the understanding of this identity and function. Now, there's, a, there's also lots of scriptures that talk about that um, uh, if your partner doesn't, sh- if your husband or wife doesn't share that identity and function, then they, then you keep doing your part in so much as you're able to. But you still are a priest in being before God in intimacy and seeking to be- bring His kingdom to bear His character to bear in your home. Yeah. So it's an important thing. So. Basically, what we're trying to, to we're trying to hit up against, what we're hitting up against is we have this cultural framework of reference that priests are the professionals. They wear the funny pointed hats and other other gear. Um, uh, so that's and and that's their job, and they do that. But rather, the scripture says, no, God was setting apart humans from the very beginning as this identity, as His priests if you like his administrators his delegated authority people on the planet when when that all went pear-shaped I'll summarize it as that and then God begins the the project again if you like the human project fresh with Abraham right and he calls him to be this and then when we get to Exodus 19 this he's now he's now called for himself a people out of slavery, out of bondage, he's brought them to himself and he's saying, this is who I am, you've seen who I am, now this is who you are to me, I'm marrying you and you will be for me, you will be the ones who will display me to the rest of the world. That's what your function will be. And that doesn't go so well either. But God's also always got, uh, someone says that God's a 10-dimensional chess player. Um, it's just the way I say he's way ahead of anything that we're doing. Nothing we do surprises him. Nothing you do surprises him. Nothing your children do surprises him. Yep. Anyway, so, and then he begins. Yeah, that's interesting, Wayne, because if, yeah. you think, if you think back to Passover, before yeah. they've even left Egypt, yes, they're so entrenched in the culture there, before they've even left, God is speaking to them as priests. Yeah. Think of, he didn't say that, mm. but what he asked them function. to do at Passover, function, function yeah. Mm. What did he ask them to do? Every family, mm. a lamb, yep. all those instructions, mm. head, of, head of the household, yep. kill that lamb, put the blood on your doorpost. They're functioning in a priestly role already, though they don't know it. And remember, he calls them into that. In fact, he would have had the whole nation be a priest, uh, 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 you know, a royal priest or function. Yeah. Okay. Mm, function. Okay, but yeah. things, you know, golden calf, you know, that whole scenario. Yeah. He calls even out of the nation one tribe. tribe. Mm. You Levites, mm. because you were zealous, you were jealous for my name. You will be, you will be to me. Mm. You will be my priests. Okay, but. They were to teach the people. 
they were to perform the the worship and the the sacrifices and all of this this whole system by the way which i think we have very little understanding of and in the coming year we're hoping to teach on that so that we really can grasp what is leviticus teaching yeah. us what do, how we how do we apply that and what do we understand about the priests and all these sacrifices i really want to know what god is teaching me through that because apparently the word of god the whole lot of it is edifying hmm. it is his counsel so, so we'll go there together. But priesthood. Now, we want to unpack Just this a, a lot to, more. I feel like I need to finish the story. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Go so we got, to, we got to... I'm just looking at the time here. I know, I know. So the nation of Israel is, is called to be this kingdom of priests to function in this identity and to display them to the world. That doesn't go so well, as Julie said, right? And, but God's already got a plan to send a Messiah, to send one who will come and establish a new covenant. So if you're, we are in Christ, in the new covenant that God initiated through the blood of his son, we participated in that, we remembered that this morning. And now we are all called, and this is where we pick up First Peter. Peter is speaking to them all who are scattered throughout the, the known world to say, this is who you are. But remember, he's picking up all the themes from the earlier scriptures that some of them would have been familiar with and some of you are familiar with. And so, and then pointing forward to Revelation, which is where, the, where it all climaxes. So this identity and function begins in Genesis and it continues in Revelation. It doesn't stop. Mm. We don't stop this. It talks about us being priests through yep. the millennial reign of yes. Christ. Amazing. Yeah. Read all those scriptures, okay? Encourage you to. Take, take each of those scriptures and read what it's actually saying. This is identity and function. So we want to come back to some of the history because when, yes. we, when we started New Life, we, we wouldn't have articulated it like this, but the themes were there. And we just want to share with you a little bit of that history because we started, New Life started in September 1997 and there were some things that we wrote down as we started the church. And we this did. was, yeah. Okay, we, this is what we believed that God was asking us to plant a new Christian community in Fremantle. And that was something that God had begun to speak to us about um, in 1994. So, the so next just time. a quick comment on that before we jump into that. Just to show that when we began in 97, the seed had begun in 94. So there'd been a process of preparation. There'd been all sorts of things that had gone on. We don't have time to tell those details right now. But just to say, sometimes God speaks to you and says, this is where you're going, but it will take a few years to prepare you and where you're going for that reality. So don't give up and lose heart or patience if things take a little bit longer. Um, than you thought. Okay, so then we said this. In 1997, we, we said, we want to be a people who are praying, believing, preparing, and persevering for a visitation of God. Everything we are and do is birthed, maintained, and developed through continual communication. That was a fancy way of saying intimacy with God or prayer with God because we were trying to use hip, cool terms in those days. So continual communication sounded better than some of the other words that we thought we would use at the time. Now, I want to just quickly make a comment. When we say visitation of God, uh, it, it wasn't just like we were hoping God would drop in for a day or two 
Our prayer was actually a visitation that would extend for a 40-year generation. Yes. And that is still our prayer. Yes. You read, we've uh, been a student of, of what we call revivals uh, in the scriptures and in history. Yeah. Um, and we're saying, God, we want something that shifts the culture so dramatically. It lasts for a whole generation. And then there's all the fruit that continues to flow from that because you've got a whole generation that shifted. Now, you think yeah. about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where people right across this region are awakened and begin to love and worship and obey Jesus and how then successive over 40 years, how that continues to grow and multiply and what, how, how, how different things will be. I remember in that first year, and some of you would remember how many of you sitting out there because you started with us, there's a handful of you left, um, where it was only a few families. Yeah. Um, that first 40-day fast. Do you remember that first 40-day fast? Um, and it was, I remember talking about this, we felt like God, it was a year, right? It was a day for a year. That's where the generation came from, a day yeah. for a year. Yeah. yeah. So then in 1996 and 97? Just before New Life started, okay. actually. We were in the States before we came back, and we had these two words. And then mm. after we came back from the States and started New Life, we, we had these two words up at least twice more, that we mm. would be an icebreaker ship. I'd never heard of an icebreaker ship. And a Gideon army. But an icebreaker ship is a, is a particular, okay, <laughs> function. Yeah, icebreaker ship function. has a particular function. God is thinking function. He's not thinking, what does an icebreaker ship look like? I'm thinking, what does an icebreaker ship look like? And he knows the function. And the function of an icebreaker ship is that it has a strengthened hull, an ice-clearing shape, for, and it has the, it's the power to push through. So it pushes up onto ice, breaks the ice, clears it away so that there's a path for other ships to come through. It doesn't have swimming pools, multiple <laughs> restaurants. Didn't get the cruise ship one. <laughs> it's, not a, it's very different to a cruise ship. <laughs> if only I knew what an icebreaker ship was yeah. back then, we would have been more prepared. It's hardcore. Okay. If you work on an icebreaker ship, it's hard work. Yep. Yep. Anyway. And a Gideon army. Yep. And the interesting thing about a Gideon army is wholehearted, small in number, and mm. unusual weaponry. Gideon's army of 300 men went up against thousands of Midianites and they did not have a bow and arrow, a sword or anything like that. Mm. They got a torch in the left hand and a trumpet in the right hand. Imagine being sent out to war with that. Be like Against a fully armed militia. Chariots, yep. iron, you know. Mm. Anyway, these guys fully trusted God. And this weaponry is actually, it's not the weaponry of, of you know, the, the wars, as you said. It's a mm. spiritual warfare. This weaponry, the word, the flame, you remember, in the, in the tabernacle, they knew what that was, the, the, the menorah with the, the word of God, the lamp unto my feet. So the word of God is the flame. And the trumpets, well, they're used right throughout for many different things. One of them is the day of trumpets to declare the fast, but it's also to go into battle. It's also to welcome a new king. Okay, so they've got these items, but they were chosen because they feared God and they trusted God. And they had the same attitude as Queen Esther, I reckon. Mm. If I die, I die. Mm. 
Same attitude as, as the, the young guys who went you know, into the fiery furnace. God can save us, hmm. but if he doesn't, that's okay. If we die, we die. These guys were the same. If we die, we die. And I remember many times, you know, in those early years saying, well, Lord, it's okay. If we die, we die. You have to make this live. How many times do we say that with the school? Yeah, as well. Yes. If it dies, it You've dies. To, you have to make, make this live. live. It's your school, Lord. Right? It belongs to you. Yeah. It's got your name on it. I think God really loves mm. that prayer. Mm. If I die, I die. It's okay, God. You're so much bigger. Mm. You're so much bigger. It's all right. Yeah. So in 1997, we still talking about that. We said we dream of a Christian community in Fremantle that has a 24-7 house of prayer and a prayer line. So these are just showing you the continuity with the statements. And when we say prayer line, um, we're not meaning a line of people lining up for prayer although that could be part of it. What we're meaning is 1-800-NEW-LIFE. <laughs> yeah. So we brought someone to tears down the back. Um, so keep going on. Prophetic word. So uh, there was uh, Andrew Pelling and myself and a couple of others went across to a conference uh, in Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena in 1998 and uh, God spoke and said to me, the Lord has placed you in an area that is like a virgin forest. It's a very, it's very fertile ground. It's going to take some real work to break into that. A lot of land clearing, but I see a vineyard, a fruitful vine that the Lord wants to plant there. Strengthen your hands, strengthen your hands. Don't become weary in the battle, but be full of strength, persevere, forge ahead. Uh, and Continue you will on. go out into the desert together, speaking of you and your wife, and you will pray as Jesus did. It is through this prayer time in this desert area that you and your wife will be preparing this fertile ground. Everything that is to be uprooted will be uprooted through prayer. Everything that is to be done is to be done in the foundation of prayer. This is 1998. Mm. So... We're saying we're sharing these bits of our history with you so that you can see how New Life Church has grown and developed and that this was always, it was always in the, in the foundation blocks. It was yeah. always in our hearts. God was speaking it to us. We were shaped to step out into it. And this is all going to make sense in just a minute. Uh, and we said we're a missional community embracing wholehearted voluntary love for God as the primary purpose of human existence. Key words, wholehearted voluntary love for God. We're fueling our lives by feeding ourselves on the knowledge of God in an atmosphere of prayer and worship. And then this slide, January 2004, but just before 2004 was 2003. And Wayne and I, we, we see 2003 and 2004 and 2005 like a transitional season, season mm. in the life of our church and where God was focusing and he was tightening up the vision. In 2003, right at the end, two things, um, sorry, at the end of 2002, rather, God spoke about declaring a day of jubilee for Fremantle. And just before that, we had been 
um, asked to adopt what was then um, Calvary, Calvary Christian, Christian School. school. Yep, little school. Two, two big events, actually, mm. that happened in the same six months period of time. Mm. And that day of Jubilee for Fremantle was something that resonated. That was a word that ran so fast. Mm. Like it was three months later that money was given to all the utilities in Fremantle. So Alinta Gas, you know, the power... All the They've details all are on the website. Yeah, all that stuff, the yeah. They, you Go can watch the life. videos. Yeah. But the point um, is, debts were paid. Yes. It wasn't a welfare solution or anything like that. It was a declaration of God saying, I'm coming to coming. this city. Mm. You declare it. Mm. We said, really? Mm. How much will that cost? He mm. said, trust me. Mm. God loves saying that. Just trust me and I'll do it. So that declaration... It has run. We were just talking about this morning. It has run. It's actually run beyond this city. Mm. Yes, today, tonight, picked it up. Yes, it was in the West Australia. Yes, there was lots of stuff going on in our city. But beyond that, it's actually gone around the world because Dr. Kim Tan, who is an international figure, he wanted to mm. come. We, he came and he spoke at the Jubilee and he continues to tell this story because we, we hear back sometimes. We do, he doesn't tell us he's telling it. We hear back sometimes from people who have heard when he was in such and such a country and he shares about what God Dude. had did mm. in Fremantle. Listen, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. God is well able to blow his own trumpet, right? Mm. Well able to blow his own trumpet. And he's well able to follow it up. But I want to just say, people, what is our function? What is our function with this word? I heard someone say, declare it. Mm. Right? Mm. Isn't that true? We tell the story and we declare it. And we declare it. What was that slide? Praying, believing, preparing, persevering for a visitation of God. We are continuing to do that. Hmm. Have you joined in yet? Maybe you didn't realize. At the end of 2003, Wayne also sensed, because we've got this in writing, stay focused on your core business, connecting people to God. And in 2000, January 2004, so all of this is happening um, you know, over the space of about 18 months. We, went, we were on holidays. We went to a church, and somebody came up to us afterwards and said, the Lord, I believe, he, you know, mm. he, he was saying this for you. Prepare a place for me and I will pour myself in and prepare for harvest. 2004. It was that year, end of that year, the majority, like 95% of our connect group leaders said, we just don't feel to go on next year with connect groups. Mm. Now, that's a problem <laughs> for leaders. It's like, really? So we're not going to have any connect groups next year. But we really felt, okay, God, well, we don't know what's going on. We went to IHOP in 2005. We had a long service leave. Impacted us incredibly. We brought that back, desiring God. 21 days, we invited New Life, 6 till 8 a.m., come and join us. We just want to share this with you, this experience. And out of that, the prayer room was birthed, May 2005. So 2003, God declares a breakthrough word. 2004, he indicates, you're going to be preparing a place for me and preparing for harvest. 
We didn't have any connect groups. We started 2004 with zero connect groups. Five. The prayer room was birthed in, oh, sorry, 2005. The prayer room was birthed in, two, in May 2005. Yeah. And God began to just bring us in. Mm. And he began to teach us how to pray. How to function. Do you know what? If I was God, mm. how to function, yeah. If I was God, I would probably teach people how to function first and then tell them what it is they're going to do. Wouldn't? Is that? That's, that's what I would do. God is so different. Back to front and upside down. He says, declare this. Well, first of all, he says, will you fully obey me? What do you want to say? Well, tell me what that means. Hmm. I want the details, please, before I sign on the dotted line. No, no, no. I'm God. You're not. Will you fully obey me? Yep. And God says, declare a day of Jubilee. Yes, we did it, God. Okay, now I'm shifting things. And I'm going to bring you into your royal function like you've, you never would have thought. And you stay on that wall. Mm-hmm. You stay on that wall. You stay in that place of prayer. You send that prayer and worship up. I'm telling you, it's doing far more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Do you know this morning he was doing stuff mm-hmm. as we worshiped together? As we stood in our f- priestly function, he's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So, will you fully obey me? I'll set you apart as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and I'm going to come to you. We just sense that God is saying, Next slide, Wayne. renew your commitment, new life. Renew your commitment. Come on, stir up. Stir up those weak mm. knees. Those flabby, not feeble. <laughs> feeble arms. Stir yourselves up. Come on. 2020. Big transitional year. Where do you sit in it? Come on, you are my priesthood. Are you functioning the way I've made you to function? Or have you gone off the boil and dozing somewhere in the corner, hoping you never have to? Come on. God is saying, will you? And what does that look like for you? Parents, husbands, wives, teenagers, go home and discuss this. What does it look like when God says, are you going to renew your commitment to wholehearted obedience? Are you going to live as my holy priesthood? And are you going to teach others to do the same? That's called discipleship, making disciples. Where do you sit in that? Teenagers, how do you function in a priesthood at school? How do you do it? And the same question goes, work. I was going to say, marketplace. Work, yeah. marketplace. Don't, don't, again, don't, yeah. don't get trapped into thinking this is something for a church context to be a priest or to be in home. It's like, no, I'm going to do my work. How do I do my work in my role yeah. in my, as, a, as a priest for God in this place? How do I function as that in this context uh, with this organization, how do I fulfill that function? In my relationships, so, Wayne. And we can't give you answers for that. Yeah. I need to say, don't, don't you know, form a line afterwards to say, tell me how to do it in my job. It's, you, it's this thing of, uh, say, God, first of all, implant, like get it, get me fully, get it fully integrated in me that I actually got this. 
and I function and I begin to just function like this, I begin to walk in my identity because then the Holy Spirit will teach you what that looks like in your work context. So the first thing is say, say yes to God. Yep, I'm on board with this God. This is who you've called me to be. Will you teach me and train me? And he will not teach you and train you separate from engaging with the scriptures. So don't, don't sit in a corner without a Bible and go, drop it on me, Lord. It's, it's going to come from engaging with the scriptures. He's going to teach you and show you as you go through. So 1 Peter, that letter would be a very good platform to launch from this week. Take a chapter a day, read it through. Uh, I'm very big on encouraging people, write it out. Write out the word of God. Don't just read it, write it out, sing it, then draw it, use crayons, use whatever you've got to draw with. Prayer, yeah. worship. Mm. In that place. The word of God mm. functioning as priests, wherever we are. It doesn't matter. I remember years ago, after, not long after, I'd actually been prayed for and received this incredible, um, what I would call a filling of the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I was just so keen to speak to people. I just want opportunities to pe- speak to people mm. about Jesus. And we were going to a, a church function and I was just like, God, just bring someone to me. And I felt him say, sit by yourself and wait. And I did. And I sat. It's really uncomfortable to sit by yourself and nobody comes and sits with you because you're waiting. But I did that. And after, I don't know how many minutes, this young girl came up to me and that led into a life-changing conversation for her. She gave her life to the Lord and was baptized. Now, those kinds of things were happening for me at that season, but I want that again. I want to go to places knowing that I'm going to function as his royal priesthood together, right? Together. Mm. It's not just being by myself, but I'm part of a priesthood and we're being built up, living stones being built up into a spiritual house. We're functioning together. We're not separate. And yet we go our separate ways. Mm. And I'm praying for those people that I'm going to meet that day. I'm going to be in a context. I'm praying. I'm interceding for them before I go. See, that's the priestly function. Yeah. That's the priestly function. That's how light and truth and life goes forth. And too often, Wayne, I just think too often so many Christians feel like their work is kind of what they have to do to bring in an income. And then, you know, church is church. And we love that and we do all this and we whatever, go to the prayer room. You know, it's not. We don't live fragmented, compartmentalized lives. That's dysfunction really, isn't it? That's dysfunction. And God wants us to function fully in an integrated, earthy, dynamic way. The way he's created us to be. And we, yeah, that's what we feel. Over many weeks, we've been processing this. God, what are you saying? Stop, look, and ask. And we just feel like he's saying, just come back to this simple thing. 
It's in your DNA. It's who you are. It's who I've called the church to be. The church actually is supposed to declare to the principalities and powers of the air the manifold wisdom of God on everything. That's who we are. You're feeling bored as a Christian, feeling disempowered, feeling like God doesn't speak to you. I tell you what, just start to fully obey him. Something's going to happen. Just start to fully obey him. Get out of the way of yourself and fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's stand together. We have the worship team. And we want to conclude because this is, there's, there's, think, there's a component of learning to do this as, as an individual, but there's a collective component of this as well, that, that God's forming a people who display him. So we believed it was important that we finish our time together by praying again the prayer that we prayed a few weeks ago as a corporate response to saying yes to him together. So that's going to come up on the screen. Let's pray together. Eternal God, our Father, we have responded to your invitation to stop at the crossroads in 2020 and seek your face. We are asking that your eternal, wise and good paths would be renewed in our midst. Today we are affirming our desire to walk in your paths and to experience rest for our souls. We thank you that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed from sin and death. Thank you that we have been grafted into a royal priesthood and a holy people. By your grace, you have chosen us to display your worth to the world we receive this high and holy gift with awe and thanksgiving. By your grace, you have given us a specific assignment to prepare a place and a people that you can dwell among. We want your kingdom to come to this region. We want to see your will being done here just as it is in heaven. We commit to partner with you unto your purposes through prayer, worship, obedience and service. By your grace, we will make disciple-makers, raise a Daniel generation, and willingly lose our lives for the sake of Christ. Stir up in each of us an unquenchable love for you and a hunger for your word, so that we will know what pleases you and obey you wholeheartedly. We welcome your corrective discipline among us because it confirms that we really are your children. We prefer to be corrected and judged by you now so that we have time to repent and change. We ask of you what King David asked. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Jesus, as the only one eternally worthy, we ask you to make us worthy to be known as your friends. Lead and guide us, mold and shape us. Fill us with your spirit so that your ways are our ways, your life is our life, and we love like you love. This is our prayer for your honor. Amen. Amen.